Hi and welcome to Nightlight. Well, on today's program, we're going to be talking with Teruko Kelly in Japan. She's the author of a wonderful book called Beyond Life and Death, which tells the story of some very hard, tough times that she and her family struggled through, but how eventually the Lord brought them through to victory and gave them beauty for ashes. It's a beautiful, inspirational story. But first, let's start with a song, one of the very latest from Emmanuel Gilligan. On a perfect surf, catching the perfect wave, knowing all that you're worth. Me, I've just got to be brave. Where are you now? Fresh out of pain, free as a clear blue sky, fresh out of all the rain. Why do I cry and cry? Cause I still need you. Catch this tear the way you used to when you were here. Oh, you're here inside, you're in the wide open sea and sky. Running through your bones, vocal cords now at rest. But somewhere in your strongest toes, you're bending with the best. Where are you now? Where are you now? Where are you now? Where are you now? Oh, you're here inside, you're in the wide open sea and sky. Tim for 
Gilligan, where are you now? Written obviously to someone very dear to him who's passed on to heaven. And I thought that our guest on Nightlight today, Taruko Kelly, would appreciate that song because it brought to mind the first part of her book, Beyond Life and Death. Taruko is with us on the show today, along with her husband, Eli. Nightlight's interview of the week. Welcome to Nightlight, Taruko. Where are you speaking to us from? Oh, I'm from Japan, and thank you, Simon, for inviting me. And whereabout in Japan are you right now? I live in a, a close to Tokyo, south of Tokyo. It's called Gunma Prefecture. Well, it's very nice to talk with you, Teruko. My wife's son, Chan, and I met you and your husband and your then young family in Japan. Whoa, must be about 25 years ago. We lost contact until recently we got back in touch, thanks to social media, and you sent us a copy of your book, which has caught us up on what you've been through during those years. It's a wonderful book. I've read it two times. My wife couldn't put it down. She read the whole thing in one day. Anyway, it's great to have you on Nightlight to tell your story. Like a candle in the night, it's Nightlight. Well, um, our daughter's Meilani, we call her May. And she was struck by a car while uh, jogging at night and killed. And she was living in the States at that time and working as a secretary for a company. And she was 19 at the time. And that's the call that every parent dreads. It must have been an awful shock. Yes, we are devastated. We got a call from the Japanese embassy in the States and then told us about May's death. It didn't sink in at first when the reality kicked in we're overwhelmed by unbearable grief. I'm sure. See, she was the third child in our family. I have eight children, and she was very close to her siblings, especially the older ones. Mm -hmm. So they're totally torn apart. Her death crushed all of us. Words cannot even describe it. But what were the circumstances of her death? She was jogging, but was it her fault or, or the drivers? What happened? Well... Uh, seems like May was trying to cross the street where there was no pedestrians crossing, and I heard that was illegal in the States. So the driver was not criminally liable for the accident. Okay. Besides, she was a minor, so the police wouldn't reveal any information about her. Uh -huh. So we couldn't find out who the driver was, except it was a girl who had just graduated from high school. So at this point, you didn't know who she was? No, we never knew who she was. Later on, we managed to get her name and address later on. But at that point, uh, we didn't know. So what made it more difficult for us, especially the older kids, was that the driver nor her family never showed up to May's memorial service, which we had in the States, or we hadn't heard any word from them, even though she wasn't guilty. Our kids were raised in Japan, and here in our culture, if you accidentally cause an accident and kill someone, you'd be right there for the family who lost their loved ones and apologize and do whatever you could to support them. Yes. Like paying for the funeral, and even in many cases, giving them some financial support even if it wasn't your fault. So not hearing any word from the driver or her family made our kids very angry and resentful. Right. We just wanted to hear some word from them. We felt like May's death was treated very lightly and our precious child was just snatched from our lives and that was heartbreaking. It must have been hard for you to forgive 
this girl? Yes, I was really struggling to understand why May had to die the way she did. It seemed so unfair. And I was tossed back and forth with waves of emotions and anger, frustration, you know, deep despair. And that was really killing me. And I wanted to find peace in all that chaos. And uh, one night, I was praying and pouring out my heart to God. And in a flash, I saw this girl. And I could almost hear her heart-wrenching cry. And at that moment, my heart went out to her. And I believe it was God's love toward this girl. Then the Lord showed me the story in the Bible about the woman who committed a sin and was about to be stoned by an angry mob. And when she was brought before Jesus, he said, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Right. You know, Simon, I couldn't throw a stone at this girl, the driver. Mm -hmm. It was an accident. She didn't see May crossing the street. May's death didn't make any sense. But I thought, maybe it made sense to God. He has his reasons, and his reasons are based in love, because he is loving and compassionate. And we probably won't get to see all the mysteries of his great plan and purpose, and all the reasons why God does or doesn't do things until we get to heaven. Yes. I just have to trust him and his love for us and say, God, I don't know why it happened, but I trust you. I put all this pain and hurt into your hands. Please help me to move on. I knew God wanted me to make a choice, a choice to forgive her. And my husband felt the same. So about the month after the accident, we decided to write a letter to her. By then, we had managed to get the information about her name and address. So we wrote and told her we forgive her and encourage her to not continue to live a life full of guilt, but to just move on with her life. When I made the decision to forgive her, it's almost like the Lord took over my emotions and gave me grace to do the right thing. Oh, that's beautiful. Did she get back to you? Did she reply to your letter? Yes. A few weeks after her, we sent her the letter, we received the letter from her for the first time. Well, I was very touched when I read it because I felt May was working in this girl's life from the heavenly realm. She said May's death was not in vain, and I could see how the whole experience was changing her life. Well, the details of her letters are all in the book. Yes, they are. It's a beautiful section of the book to read your letters back and forth to this girl. Eli, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Right after May's accident, I was the one that had to go back to the States to take care of all the legal, you know, legal technicalities. I talked to the police and tried to get, tried to find out the, the name of the girl that uh, was involved with the, in, in the accident, but they wouldn't give me the information because uh, she was a minor. This was kind of a real miracle because we really felt, Lord really showed us we needed to try to contact her right. to kind of encourage her because I'm sure, I mean, it was very difficult for us, but I'm sure we felt like it was probably a very difficult situation for her too, especially knowing she was only 18 years old. Right. Not long after that, I managed to contact the police again, and I got a different person on the line, explained the situation. He went and looked up the case in the records, and he just said, oh, yeah, sure. And he gave me all the information, her name, address, and everything. And so that's how the miracle the Lord did that we were able to finally write her and get in communication with her. All those stories are in the book. It's really quite amazing, but that turned out to be a real, real uh, miracle of God. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. I asked you, Teruko, if there were any songs that you'd like me to play on this show to complement your testimony, and you chose, he put a new song in my heart, The Beauty of the Lord, which we'll play later, and this one by Casting Crowns, Praise You in This Storm. Actually, this song was mentioned in the, her letter. 
And then when I listened to it, it just brought me tears. And it brings up so many memories. And this has become one of my favorite songs. So this girl is a Christian? Yes, she is. down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen and it's still raining but as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am And every tear I've cried You hold in your hand You never I will praise you in the storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you And raised me up again But my strength is almost gone How can I carry on If I can't find you as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm.
You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Yes, with an international edition of Nightlight. Our studio is here in Uganda, in East Africa, from where we connect with guests from all around the world. Our guests on the show today are Taruko Kelly, joined by her husband Eli, and they're talking to us from Japan about Taruko's book, Beyond Life and Death. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Taruko, you've introduced us to the first part of your book, subtitled Forgiveness, a Transforming Tonic. Take us on to part two. What happens next? Well, <laughs> next story is just our older boys got arrested. How many boys? Uh, two boys. Uh, two older boys got arrested. It came as a real shock, to say the least. One morning, 10 policemen showed up at our house with a search warrant and told us our two boys were arrested. See, May's death has taken a toll on our, all of our lives and especially our two older boys who are bitter and angry toward God and others. Their resentment and anger eventually drove them into drugs and petty crime until they both ended up in jail for robbery. It was another crushing and devastating blow in our life. And how long after May's death was this? About three years, yeah. three years later. Oh, three years later. So there was a lapse of time. They sort of gradually went downhill. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Were you and your husband aware of what was happening in your boys' lives at this time? Were they living at home? No, they weren't living at home. So uh, we weren't really aware of what's really going on in their lives. Though I knew here and there, maybe they're not doing the right things, you know. But there wasn't any uh, specific things that we can really see because they're living far away. So what happened next? Well, a local newspaper did an article about the robbery and the local TV station aired a broadcast about it too because Japan has such an intense social stigma about the crime and prison. My husband got fired from his job and we ended up losing our house and all that we had. Gosh. But we still had Jesus and he was all we had and all we needed. So what happened then? How did you cope with this? Well, I didn't know what to do. I felt like our life was crumbling down around us. It was extremely difficult. I'm sure. It's like we are pushed into the deep, dark pit with no way out. On top of that, I was also really condemning myself for failing our children. Oh. You know, what went wrong and where did I make a mistake? And I know there were so many things I could have done better. And I felt like I was a total failure. I knew I was nothing. So I said to the Lord, forgive me for all my mistakes and turn all this for good somehow as you promised. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how God could bring something good out of that, but I praise him that he was greater, that he was in control, and one way or another, he would bring out an ultimate victory. Yes. Actually, praise saved me. Wow. Because the situation was so dark, and if I kept focus on the situation, I don't know if I could have endured it. I just have to see beyond the moment and beyond the pain and trust that, this apparent defeat could be the thing that would bring us to future opportunities that would make things much better for us. Yes. I have to praise continually to make it through each day, and that was the only way I could get her peace in my heart. And I know it was God's grace, His sustaining grace, that gave me the strength I needed for each moment. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. So now your two boys are in jail, a Japanese jail. Tell us about your first visit to see them. What kind of place did you go to? Uh, it's a very, very small room. And then uh, it's, uh, there's a dividers between us and the, kid, you know, the boys. And we just talk through the little holes like that. How did it go the first time you talked with your boys? Were they really sorry? Oh, they're very, very sorry. 
very sorry because what they did really caused real traumatic changes in our lives. Uh, they felt totally broken. Let me just ask you here, what's it like in a Japanese prison? The younger son, he was in jail for about four months and then he was released and put on probation. But my oldest son, he was the one that spent six years in prison. Six years. And the reality is Japanese, the Japanese prison system, you think that Japan is, you know, a real high-tech first world country. Right. But actually the prison system is unbelievably horrible. The food that they get is just stuff that you can't buy in the supermarkets they wouldn't even they won't even sell it if you need dental work if you have dental problems the only solution they give you is either deal with the pain or pull out the teeth that's it gosh it's really extreme there's no heating in the cells in the winter time so all you can do is you know they try to have as much clothing as they can there's no air conditioning in the heat of the summer the living conditions inside the prison are really horrible. Gosh. I mean, we knew it because we would go and visit him, and we would hear it from him firsthand. A lot of times he ended up in solitary confinement uh, simply for, you know, shaking hands or touching one of his fellow prisoners, you know, like kind of putting his arm around him. That's like a no-no. What? Little things that you would normally do just that you don't even think about, they're just like natural reactions. Uh, you get penalized for those things. I mean, there's a lot of other things I could say, but just to sum it all up, it's really, really bad, really horrible. But they made it through. Actually, my son told us quite a few times, a lot of guys, they just, they go crazy. They just lose it and they just kind of go mental, you know, mentally collapse. Bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. And how did your boys manage to cope with conditions in the jail? Yes, um, they were totally in the bottom. They were just so, you know, they struggled quite a bit. And they have to really go through their fears and emotions. But anyway, that was actually the, a big, how can I say, uh, stepping stone for their life to be turned around. So I always felt... You know, the Lord, why did you let this situation to go so bad? But actually, the situation has to be bad enough like that so that they can change, their heart can be changed. Quite a large section of your book consists of your son's journal while in jail. Tell us about that. Uh, he journaled some of his thoughts and experiences while in jail. He was in police detention for four months. He was 21 then. He shared his struggles and fears and remorse. It was, well, I should say, his heart cry for hope and healing. But you can also see his transformation of heart too. I also included the older son's progress in prison. He went to prison for six years. He was 24 at the time. And I wrote about some experiences he had there. He came out about two and a half years ago, and he's doing really good. He got married and started his own business, and he helps us and supports us whatever the way he can, and we are so thankful for him. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. You asked me to read an excerpt or two from your younger son's journal, and I chose this one, which is his last entry before he came for the second time before the judge. My prayer. Dear God, this day I've been waiting for forever has finally come. I endured four months for the crimes that I committed. I'm guilty of this and so much more. I hurt my family. I hurt my loved ones. I hurt you. My brother is going to prison for five years. But I have an amazingly supportive family, loving, quality friends, extremely healthy body, a changed mind, and a new perspective on life. So thank you for this arrest. 
Thank you for all the pain, tears, stress, and sleepless nights. Thank you for using all of this to bring me closer to you. I know that you allowed this to happen to me and that you love me. This is in my best interest, your perfect plan for me, even if I don't see or quite understand it yet. Help me to never forget to thank you and praise you. Thank you for helping me also to accept May's death at last. Help me to always remember that she is right beside me. Help me to lean on you and trust you no matter what the outcome. Help my love and thankfulness to you not to hinge on my feelings or circumstances. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love you, Jesus, come what may. And the next day, he was released. talking with Taruko and Eli Kelly about Taruko's book, Beyond Life and Death. I want to ask you more about the book and how our listeners can order a copy. But first, Eli, is there anything that you'd like to add to the story? Like Taruko said, when right after the 
my sons got arrested and then there was a story came out in the newspaper and it was on TV and because the city we lived in was quite small, not real small, but it wasn't really big, it became very apparent that I was the father of this young man that uh, did this because the same name and everything. So my workplace found out about it and they just they just said, okay, uh, they wanted to kind of cut ties with me because they didn't want what happened to be associated with their business. So they just kind of laid me off for about a month before they actually officially fired me. So because I was working for them, my job came, you know, a full salary and a house and a car and our health insurance and everything. So when we lost the job, we literally lost everything. We had nothing. I had looked for another job, but because my name was associated with my son's name, it seemed like word had gotten around and I couldn't, nobody was going to hire me. So that's when we contacted uh, my wife's brother and asked if we could come back and stay with here for a little bit, you know, till we got back on our feet and tried to find something new. He didn't want to do it at first. He was kind of reluctant, but Finally, he gave in, and uh, he said, "Yeah, okay, you can you can come on back." And that's how that worked out. It's all it all turned out to be a real blessing, not only for us because we had nowhere else to go, but it actually turned out to be a real blessing for him because the property here is very very large. So he has his job full time, and then he gets home late. He can't really take care of the property and all cutting the trees and the landscaping and all the weeding and all that kind of stuff. So. I stepped in and took all care of it, all that kind of stuff for him. So it turned out to be a real blessing for him too. Gosh, you guys have been through so much. And if all that you were going through was not enough already, you were telling me, Struko, that you had to stay up at nights to keep another of your boys alive who had a serious medical condition. Yes. Um, I have uh, one son. Uh, it's in the, uh, my book too. Uh, he doesn't have a pancreas cell. So... He's got some kind of complications, so I have to check his blood sugar level. He has diabetes. Uh, his diabetes, diabetes type one, and so, but he has a complication, so I have I have to wake up every two hours at night and check the blood sugar level. And if it's too low, I need to feed him to bring it up. If it's too high, I gotta give him a shot to bring it down. If it's every two nights and sometimes just goes too low and I have to do it every hour to check it and then give him a food, all those things. So actually, I maybe my sleep was sometimes two, three hours at night. And for how many years did this go on? About 15 years every night. 15 years? How did you manage that? It was really the God's grace. I really knew God's grace. Otherwise, I couldn't have done it. Anyway, he's, um, he's now that more, how can I say, nighttime electrical level situation was controlled. So I don't have to do it anymore. He can control himself. He still has to have a shots every day, but now I don't need to be there at night to, you know, take care of him. So I'm very thankful. I don't think I could have done it anymore. <laughs> it was just, you know, end of my rope. <laughs> So tell us now more about the book, how you came to write it. Well, I wrote the book in Japanese first, and then later I wrote it again in English. Actually, I wasn't planning to write a book. I'm not a writer. But it all started with the letters uh, that I wrote to my friends, pouring out my heart and explaining what happened. And from there, some of my friends suggested that I should write a book. So I thought, if... What I went through and how the Lord pulled me through could be a help to someone who might be going through the same situation. It would be worth writing it. As for the English version of my book, I wrote it also for my children. I shared a portion of it with uh, two boys while they were in jail, but the rest of the kids didn't know the details of what happened when May died and my emotions and feelings and you know, our forgiveness toward the girl and all the rest. Most of us still young back then, in their early teens, and the youngest eight years old. 
besides they were really, really going through it, and I didn't think they could have taken it or understood. So I waited. About two years ago, after the English version of the book was published, I gave it to each one of them. I knew their hearts still hurt. God knows that, and He understands. But I felt it was time they know all the facts. Simon, I didn't want them to get bitter. I wanted them to see that the best way to overcome anything that has hurt them is not through bitterness or thoughts of revenge, but allowing God to make them into a better and more compassionate person through it who can understand the other people's pain. And I believe this is the best way to honor May and the life she lived. Well, they may not agree with the all that I shared in my book, but someday in their journey of life, they will realize there is God who loves and cares for each one of them and is powerfully working in their lives. God is good. He is good all the time. Yes. And you know, what I love about this book is how positive and faith-building it is and how you've been able, even in English, to so beautifully articulate the many life lessons that you all learned. Yes, I learned so many life lessons that I don't think I could have learned any other way. It's about trust when your prayers are not being answered, when the battle seems too long and you're not sure if you can take any more. And to believe God knows that the experience you're going through will lead to something good later in your life, though you don't know that right now. So we can praise Him for all he will do for you. And also, I learned about trusting God for each of our children. You know, our kids are not angels, so they make mistakes and wrong choices. They sometimes fall flat on their faces, but it's okay. As far as they can learn lessons from it and then get up again, then it will be a fall upward. It's a part of their learning process and this time will help make them into who and what they need to be. But of course, as a parent, it's not easy to watch them one by one pass through times of hard training because you only see the pain and what looks so unfair for them to be suffering. That's why I need to turn every thought into praise and that the Lord is going to bring about something good in their lives. God is always with them and He loves them even more than we do. And he will never let them out of his sight. It's such a comfort to me. As I look back, I can clearly see God was with us each step of the way. He never left us, even when I felt he was so very far away. You see, we look at the everything day by day because we live in time when something happens. That's our reality. The pain is real, and you don't know what's going to happen ahead. But God knows the future, and He knows the end of the story. So we can trust that God is always working everything for good and toward a greater purpose, no matter how bad or how sad the circumstances, if we look to Him. It was a real rough time, but like my wife said, uh, when uh, you find yourself in those kind of situations, that's when you really discover the real depth and grace of God. Because in your, in, your, in your own strength, in your own, the power of your own mind, your own willfulness, you can't, you can't face these things and do it. And so many people in the world, when they don't have the Lord, when they don't know the promises in his word, they don't have that foundation to stand on. These things can just be overwhelming. But all we had was just the grace of God, and He brought us through. you
of the Lord, composed by Michael Dooley, beautifully sung by his daughter, Joanna. One of the three songs that you requested, Terrico. We're coming towards the end of the show, which has a happy ending, because now your boys are both fully physically and, most importantly, spiritually recovered. Well, actually, because of that cruelty of that Japanese prison, when you are in prison 10 years, it takes at least about three years to get back to the actually normal life, physically, mentally, emotionally. But our son, he was in six years, but he's been out for two and a half years. But last two years, he got married. He started his own business. And it was a great accomplishment. And, of course, it wasn't easy for him. There's a different thing he needs to really work on and battles against and you know uh, because he got a, went through the real traumatic experiences but I think it's really the Lord he really helped him to adjust himself to the life again and they gave him that vision and goal to shoot for and because of all that you've been through, now you also have a ministry of writing to prisoners, both in Japan and the States, I believe. Yes, um, because uh, my kids went to the jail, one in, you know, went to prison. I had a real burden uh, for the prisoners. And then somehow the Lord opened up the door for me to exchange the letters with the prisoners in the States and also in Japan. And when my book was published first in Japanese, at that time, I sent a copy of my book to my son, who were at that time still in the prison. And he passed on somehow to the other prisoners. Teruko, a few weeks ago when you first wrote me and we made the plan to do this interview for Nightlight, you wrote me some testimonies on how your book Beyond Life and Death had impacted the lives of others. And I'd like to read some of these for our listeners right now, as I believe it will not only encourage them to read the book, but also have the vision to share the book with others. Since my son was put into prison, the Lord opened up a door for me to minister to prisoners in the States and in Japan. I've been exchanging letters with them regularly, and I sent a copy of the book to one of them. This man, W, was in the prison in the States, and he was on fire for Jesus. He shared my book with other prisoners in the same prison. 
My book went around to many people there, and I got letters from new prisoners who read it. Since Mr. W was released a few months ago, he left my book in the library of his prison so that other prisoners could continue to have access to it. One of the prisoners I've been corresponding with in Japan is a 27-year-old man who is serving 17 years because of drunk driving and causing an accident that killed a young girl. I started writing letters to him about six years ago. The first year I started writing to him, I never received any reply. But the Lord put a burden on my heart to keep writing, so I did. After a year, I received the first letter from him, thanking me how my letters are a source of comfort and encouragement to him. What I found out then was that he was so depressed that all he could think about was how he could end his life. Life dealt with him harshly, and he didn't have the courage to even write. He thanked me that I'd kept writing and didn't give up on him, even though he didn't write back for a year. Since then, he found Jesus and his forgiveness, and that gave him a will to live. He read my book and said that it changed his life because he felt he touched God. When my book was first published in Japanese about four years ago, I sent a copy to my son who was in prison at that time. He read it and passed it on to his cellmates. He said that their lives were greatly impacted by the book and they were so thankful to be able to read it. As rumors of my book spread, people in other cells wanted to read it as well, but he was not allowed to give the book to those in other cells because of the strict prison rules. But my son somehow found a way to communicate with people in other cells and managed to pass the book to them secretly behind the authorities' backs. Well, eventually he got caught and was punished. One of those prisoners was Mr. T. In his letter to me, he shared how he broke down crying after he read my book and couldn't stop crying for a few days. Something clicked in the spirit and he found what he had been looking for. He was overjoyed to get to know Jesus and since then his life has completely changed. Now he's in the top ranks of the prisoners and is scheduled to be released in a few months. At my son's wedding, after he was released from prison, there were three men who came to our table and greeted us. They were ex-prisoners and flew from far away to attend my son's wedding. They said that they all read my book and how it encouraged them to keep going. It was their ray of hope in the darkness and they thanked me for writing. I was overjoyed to hear that. We held hands together and cried. What a reward! Many of my friends and their friends have read my book, and one of them shared this testimony with me. There was a lady who lost her son in a traffic accident. She was run over by a truck, and she couldn't forgive the driver. For 20 years, she held on to bitterness and anger and never had peace in her heart. Then, someone gave her my book, and after she read it, she said that she finally was ready to forgive the man. She felt peace for the first time since her son died. Praise the Lord. I received phone calls and emails from people who lost children by accident or sickness or whose kids were arrested or hard to handle, etc. They share their heart with me because they think I can relate to their pain. It's a wonderful thing that what you went through could be a blessing to others and be able to comfort them with the same comfort that I was comforted with by God. Inspiring you to draw closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight. Wow, those are wonderful testimonies of how your book has already impacted the lives of so many others. And I'm sure that many of our listeners will also want to read it. How can they get a copy? Okay, uh, my book is available on Amazon Japan. But the thing is that they don't ship it overseas. So you can only get it in Japan. So I like my book to be available for you all who are interested in reading. Can I offer to send a PDF of your book to anyone who would like to read it? Oh, sure. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. 
Teruko Kelly at yahoo.com is Teruko's email if you'd like her to send you a copy directly. I'll also make it available to my email list and post a link on Facebook where you can get your copy of Beyond Life and Death. Thanks so much, Teruko and Eli, for all that you shared with us. One of the most outstanding testimonies we've had on the show so far of the Lord getting such wonderful, wonderful victories out of a dark and seeming defeat. May the Lord continue to bless you and your dear family. Well, that's it for this week. We have time to go out with this from Jeremy Spencer. I'm looking forward to being back again with you next time for another international edition of Nightlight. Bye for now. We heard of oceans No one could sail But there were those who rode the tide And lived to tell the tale They'd reached for paradise In their dreams In spite of those who seemed so wise Till their philosophies fell apart at the seams No matter how dark the night No matter how high the waves No matter how hard the fight They kept their eyes upon the light that saves Upon the light that saves They looked for safety No one could give Cause there was no security In the lives they chose to live Charity took their searching minds And made them spin They were dissatisfied Until she stepped in No matter how dark the night No matter how high the weight Their eyes upon the light that saves Upon the light that saves And though the breaking waves felt cold Beneath their feet No matter how dark the night